Chapter 19 of Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pieces of Hate and Other Enthusiasms by Haywood Bruin. An Adjective a Day. It was a child in Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale who finally told the truth by crying out, He hasn't got anything on, as the king marched through the streets, clad only in the magic cloth woven and cut by the swindling tailor. You may remember that everybody else kept silent because the tailor had given out that the cloth was visible only to such as were worthy of their position in life. The child knew nothing of this, and anyway he didn't have any position in life, so he piped up and cried, He hasn't got anything on. And though he was but a child, others took up the cry, and finally even the king was convinced and ran to get his bathrobe. The tailor, as we remember the story, was executed. In course of time that child grew up and married and died leaving heirs behind him, and they in turn were not so barren, so that today vast numbers of his descendants are in the world. Nearly all of them are critics of one sort or another, but mostly young critics. Like their great ancestor, they are frank and shrill, and either valiant or foolhardy, as you choose to look at it. Certainly they seldom hesitate to rush in. No, there is no doubt at all that they are just a wee bit hasty, these descendants of the child. It is rather useful that every now and then one of them should point a finger of scorn at some falsely great figure in the arts and cry out his nakedness at top voice. But sometimes they make mistakes. It has happened not infrequently that worthy and respectable artists and authors in great coats, close-fitting sack suits, and heavy woolen underwear have been greeted by some member of the clan with the traditional cry, he hasn't got anything on. This may be embarrassing as well as unfair. Ever since the child scored his sensational critical success so many years ago, all his sons have been eager to do likewise. They have inherited extraordinary suspicion regarding the raiment of all great men, even when they are forced to admit that some particular king is actually clad in substantial achievement of one sort or another, they are still apt to carp about the fit and cut of his clothing. Almost always they maintain that he borrowed his shoes from someone else and that he cannot fill them. In regard to humbler citizens, they are apt to carry charity to great lengths. In addition to the incident recorded by Anderson, they cherish another legend about the child. According to the tradition, he wrote a will just before he died in which he said, Thank heaven I leave not a single adjective to any of my descendants. I have spent them all. The clan is notoriously extravagant. They live for all the world like Bedouins of the Sahara, without thought of the possibility of a rainy day. Their gaudiest years come early in life. Middle age and beyond is apt to be tragic. Almost nothing in the experience of mankind is quite so heart-rendering as the spectacle of one of these young critics, grown gray, 
coming face to face in his declining years with a masterpiece. At such times, he is apt to be seized with a tremor and stricken dumb. Undoubtedly, he is tormented with the memory of all the adjectives which he flung away in his youth. They are gone beyond recall. He fumbles in his purse and finds nothing except small change worn smooth. The best he can do is fling out a highly creditable piece of work and go on his way. Still he has had fun for his adjectives, for all that. There is a compensating glow in the heart of the young critic when he remembers the day an obscure author came to him asking bread, though rather expecting a stone, and he with a flourish reached down into the bread box and gave the poor man layer cake. After all, one of the young critics told me, in justifying his mode of life, it may be just as tragic as you say to be caught late in life with a masterpiece in front of you and not a single adequate adjective left in your purse. Yes, I'll grant you that it's unfortunate. But there's still another contingency which I mean to avoid. Wouldn't it be a rotten sell to die with half your adjectives still unused? You know you can't take them with you to heaven. Of what possible use would they be up there? Even the bravest superlatives would seem pretty mean and petty in that land. Think of being blessed with milk and honey for the first time and trying to express your gratitude and wonder with the best I ever tasted. No, sir, I'm going to get ready for the new eternal words by using up all the old ones before I die. End of chapter 19. Recording by Richard Kilmer, Real Medina, Texas.